Welcome, welcome, one and all, to Books and Beer Review, a drinking podcast with a book reading problem. This is our booze-soaked twist on the classic book club, where we, your hosts, take it in turn to report on a recently read piece of literature. We do the legwork so you don't have to. But before we get to any of that, we must review the brew, bicker about the liquor, and wine, wine about the wine. So please sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back yet again to another episode of Books and Beer Review. Uh, This is our review program, as well as our beer review program. Without further ado, let's get into the beer review portion. Patrick, kick us off while you're... While I'm in mid-drink? Yes. Uh, Today, I am drinking Boulevard Brewing Company's Unfiltered Wheat Beer, the hazy American Mm -hmm. classic. It's... um, Wait, which beer? Boulevard's unfiltered wheat beer. Oh, whenever I drank that, Kevin called me a bitch. Yes, Did you? that's also yeah. just sort of a running gag on the show. Kevin calls uh, that, me a bitch. That's one of my favorite beers. Is it? Hmm. Yes, it is. So not I'm bad. actually I'm actually surprised you're drinking it. Don't you usually like heavier beers? Yeah, I've got a few of those in the woodworks. Uh this is okay. Um it's kind of got a bitterness to it. Um very drinkable though it's very kind of light um you know probably a solid b b plus Craig, it's funny you bring that up because i i was totally going to react very amiably to the fact that seamus is drinking uh, unfiltered wheat and so maybe when i'm like do i just have some like deep-seated bias against craig for his choices in life I think you do. It's because whenever we're doing flyover country, I'd really rail at you for me having such a diverse selection of stuff and you like sticking into like a corner of the market. Mr. Um, Diverse, what do you got then? uh, Today, I'm drinking a Hofbrau original. Um, So brought the goods this week. Oh, well, this. So I actually have a place right down the road for me that's like an alcohol and liquor store in um and trader I, joe's no no <laughs> oh i can't go to trader joe's anymore because they don't ever have they don't have a lot of diversity anymore in the uh like no, beers enough with tanks and black people uh i mean they they have very diverse wine selections but the beer selection is like pathetic um and i am trying not to have to go to deerberg's so I'm going to try to, uh, I mean, I, I have actually probably better selection around me because there's Friar Tucks and stuff like that. And they have like, yeah, Friar Tucks is great. Yeah. So I'll probably make some trips up there. But whenever I went to this liquor store over there, uh, this caught my eye. I used to work Oktoberfest all the time uh, for the local uh, Lions Club. And I always liked uh, the different Oktoberfest beers. And the Hofbrau was one of them that I liked. So I have tried you ever this. Been, did you ever go to the Hofbrau house? So no. no. Belleville. I have not. I don't um, know if it's still open or not because the whole pandemic thing. Yeah. You know, I think it was already kind of in dire straits because it took like Oh, so you think it might be closed, closed? It might be. I don't know. I've only well, been, I think I've been there twice. Well, that'd be a shame. Yeah. I was going to say everything's closed in Illinois right now. Mm. I mean, you wouldn't know it looking around. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I've eaten I've eaten enough meals in the the front seat of my car. 
I mean, I will say that this is a fantastic beer. Um, I had one the other night to uh, prep myself because I couldn't wait. Um, the only thing that bugs me about it, 11.2 fluid ounces. Couldn't, uh, couldn't, not, couldn't not be the solid 12. I was like, what the hell happened to the, the other portion of my beer? I mean, I think um, mine's 16.9, but I think that this is mine's imported. So I'm sure it has something yeah. that converts to something nicer in metric. Well, that, that's what's something that's what's so strange is whenever I held the bottle, I was like, man, this bottle just feels strange. I was talking to my wife about it and she's like, what are you talking about? It's a standard bottle. I'm like, ha ha, it is not. This bottle is actually very slightly smaller. Well, economies of scale, I can't imagine how much money they must save in the long run by cheating you out of those 0.8 ounces. Yeah. Um, if we're going to do the scale that, uh, you know, the, that Seamus is using, I would give this like maybe a, a B plus to a minus kind of range. Um, for me, it is not a heavier beer for any of you guys that have had a half brow, but it still has, um, what I would characterize as a lot of flavor to it. Not, uh, of course, not anything like fruity or anything like that. Um, really easy and smooth to go down. How about you, Kevin? Uh, guys, it, it is the most wonderful time of year. And that, of course, means that it's Advent, which, of course, means Advent calendars, which, of course, being a raging alcoholic, that means beer Advent calendars. So I have got just a myriad of wonderful selections, all from the fatherland, because uh, this, this is from uh, Costco, though the calendar was from Costco. But all of my selections probably for the foreseeable future are going to be from Germany. Uh, this one is called, I should have read this before. It will I be from it. the Costco in Germany. Yes, from the Germany Costco. Uh, Jubil Al Mitzbier. Jubil Al Mitzbier. That's not probably right at all. Uh, that's from Schlossbrau. I'm assuming that's the name of the brewery. And like every, like almost all these beers, they all advertise that the Brewed in accordance with the Germany purity laws of 1536. Or, yeah, that's kind of what this one says, too. Yeah, which just means it's beer. Like, it's yeah. standard. Beer. It's barley, water, hops. Hey, and once but they it sounds it, pretty it's, nice. Yeah, it, sound, makes, it makes you feel like you're getting a more pure product. Um, the history behind that, of course, is at one point in time, that part of the world, beer was actually like a form of currency. And so by putting crap that was not barley, yeast, or hops into your beer it was kind of counterfeiting yeah violated <laughs> the purity law but anyway um the beer itself uh the can is nothing really special it's got 333 on it for reasons unknown if you're from germany tell me why um and the taste you know i use this analogy a lot but it reminds me of like a Heineken or like a, a stella or even a peroni um, to me, those all kind of taste similar. This is like that, only more so. Like all those flavors you get, it's just a little bit more intense. No oh, man, I'd probably really like that then. You, yeah, you probably would. It's uh, very crisp, but very clean, and then just a nice bitter punch on the back end of the swallow. I did consider, because I saw they have the uh, special edition uh, Black Stella. I almost I almost got that. But, uh, Black Stella. Yeah, it's, I think it's uh, at midnight reserve or something. I can't remember what they call it. So then, oh. like, roast the barley for longer or something? So yeah, that's that usually how they get the darker color. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, like, apparently some special winter thing they're doing, a black Stella. Oh. 
I like Stella, but I had like a 24 pack that I got from Sands before. And after I drank through all that, I just have not had the desire to drink it again. Yeah. Or an MBEV product. It's not bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't always an MBEV product. So let, let's talk about what you're going to be reviewing for us today, Kevin. All right. Well, as you guys know, I've been on something of a quest to pick up all of the uh, classic sort of novels that you generically read in high school, but for one reason or another, my high school did not make me read. Uh, so, you know, I read 1984. You know, we read uh, that one stupid book by Ernest Hemingway that I hate, uh, The Picture of Dorian Gray. Uh, this week, I'm reading hey, another wait, Did you guys get to read that? that classic book like the the newer like classics whenever you're going through school um what's no, it called I... that um like the undying mercenaries <laughs> did, you, did you guys get to read that one classics like oh that. man it's just the, the the 14th novel you know just dropped the day before yesterday and i'm already like halfway through it and i've got some thoughts but we're going to save that for a episode of course uh, Are you guys going to fight over who gets to review that one? Well, we, we, I'm pretty we, sure we have, it. we have it, but we can also just sort of jointly review. But also, Craig hasn't gotten it yet, and he's trying to see that if I can loan uh, it to him. I have made my stance very clear. I'm not going to review a book that we've already done a series over. So oh, well, go back I have and listen no to such our ethical qualms. I will yeah, totally go back and listen to our Undying Mer- I think we've done that here. Maybe that's Flyover Country. I can't remember. We did it on both. I think it was actually yeah. might have been the first episode of this podcast was Undying Mercenaries. That sounds about right to me. Yeah. <laughs> that was when Seamus was like at peak questioning whether or not he wanted to be a part of this this project. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll we'll get him yet. We'll get him yet. But so anyway, um, so I don't this, think we will. No, probably not. He can't hire or he can't handle the Southern Georgia man. Anyway, anyway it's, what's your book, Kevin? <laughs> He's over two. He's over two meters tall. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. No, so I read. Brave just New left World. the chat. <laughs> I read Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. Oh, okay. And so this is, I would almost call it sort of a re- not a rebuke, but sort of a counterpoint to Orwell's 1984, except for the fact that this came first. And from what I'm reading here, Orwell is actually uh, inspired, or he. Uh, felt motivated by reading uh, Brave New World to write 1984. So perhaps it's more accurate to say that 1984 was a counterpoint to Brave New World. Uh, So Brave New World um, is one of these dystopian futures, or is it? It actually kind of presents itself as sort of utopian. It's um, a fair bit in the future in this setting. I want to say at least a couple hundred, like 2,200 and something like that. So whereas 1984 takes place in the far-flung future of 1984 this takes place much 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 later and it's in this society it's a one world government where it seems like they've kind of gotten everything figured out everyone has a place everyone has a job and most importantly everybody is happy nobody is upset ever well if they are ever upset it's quickly remedied and um, they do this a couple of ways Quickly remedied. They, they pass out lobotomies. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> so uh, in this society, it's, it's, a, it's a heavily casted society. Like you were literally predestined into your station in well, life. Of course. How else would a one, one uh, government 
over the entire planet work. Yeah. So you're you're not born. You're grown in a tube. Um, and depending on where they want you, you will sometimes be one of like 96 clones. So they've basically figured out um, the process of inducing a egg to spontaneously split into twins. That's what identical twins are, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And they said they've managed to, at, at most, they've managed to make this happen up to 96 times. So they can literally have 96 twins. And the reason they do this is because if you have 96 people who have exactly the same genetic type, you can more accurately predict um, what kind of jobs they'll be good at. And now you've got 96 people ready to slot into pulling that lever at the factory. Whatever. Now, that's what happens to the lower caste. Uh, the lower caste, and it's all graded by Greek letters. There's the alphas, betas, gammas, epsilons. Uh, I think that's deltas. There's deltas. So go, go, you know, alpha, beta, delta, gamma, epsilon. I think if I know my Greek alphabet, alphas are at the very top, and they're the most intelligent and the most well-formed people. They're never cloned. There's only one of each of them, um, and they're the people who run society. So wait, is there no sex in this book? Oh, there's plenty of sex. There's actually okay. a, a preponderance of sex, uh, okay. more sex than you might even feel comfortable with. Um, but there's no reproduction. Uh, okay, so all right, no, uh, there is no consequences. Yes, of tons um, of sex. Yeah. Uh, so that felt really dirty saying that. Like no, yeah. con- like children or consequences. That was really uh, strange to say that. No, I think you would agree with that. <laughs> it it gets it gets weird the way they approach sex in this book. The society does, because it's all been very liberalized to the the nth degree. Um, but so like so like say you're you're destined to be a delta. Or I'm sorry, an epsilon, which is the lowest form. They will literally chemically make you retarded. Like they talk about putting chemicals in your. Yeah, they call it a decanter, but basically the tube that you're growing in, they will artificially stunt your development to make sure you're a moron so that you will be perfectly happy sitting in a factory all day pulling a lever or sweeping the floor or whatever like that. And then even after you're born, they will raise you um, with subliminal messages. Right, so they somehow correlate intelligence with your ability to be happy doing menial jobs or... Well, yeah, because I, well, I mean, and that's, there's actually, that's not 100% off. I think there's, there's a strong correlation, right, with high intelligence and happiness. People who are incredibly intelligent tend to be, feel very isolated and thus less happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not necessarily that being intelligent makes you unhappy. It's that being intelligent, I think, raises the threshold for your feeling fulfilled. Right, you require more things to be happy. Yes, to, yes. Um, so if you had, so like, you know, it begs the question, well, if you could control how intelligent people are, why would you just not make an entire society of super geniuses? And that's because a super genius would not be happy sweeping the floor. Right. Um, you know. Uh, but so, maybe a super genius would make it so that nobody would have to sleep, sweep the floor. <laughs> they, they get into that too. But it's sort of like in the matrix where they talk about how uh, I'm getting off the rails here, but in the, in the matrix where the architect is talking about the first matrix was a paradise and we tried to make everything perfect for everybody, but then people started rejecting it. And we realized that there had to be some level of imperfection. It's sort of a similar thing there where they talk, there's, there's um, uh, mentions of in the past that they tried to have a society where like everyone was perfectly fulfilled and at their, you know, everyone was actualized and it just didn't right. work. 
Um, so how do they remedy this? Well, so you have these because idiots. there wouldn't be a book if it was that way. Yeah, well, this is this is all to prove a point. It's all in right. service of a of a singular theme. Um, so even after after you're born, you were then educated and you're 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 placed into your group, whether you're an alpha beta, whatever, and you will be given a specific education for that group. And a lot of that education includes subliminal messaging to condition you to a be happy in your group and to b pity anyone outside your group. So like if you're an alpha, so you don't beta, you don't want to like achieve status in another group then. Yes. So okay. like if you're say you're a beta, so beta is the second highest, and it'll you know you'll get these subliminal messages like, I'm so glad I'm not a gamma or a delta or an epsilon. They're so stupid. I'm glad I'm not stupid. I'm so glad I'm not an alpha. They have to work so much harder than I do. I don't think I could do it. You know. So it's like, they're really conditioning you to be happy where you're at. Um. And if that doesn't work, anytime that you do encounter unpleasant feelings about where you are in life, you're encouraged to take a drug called Soma. Um, and Soma just basically makes you happy. And again, you're conditioned um, throughout your childhood with like these little jingles like Grandma Day will keep the pain away, you know, and stuff like that. It's like, you know, if you ever you feel uncomfortable about anything, don't think about it, just medicate. So this is a this is a society that heavily discourages unorthodox things, not unlike 1984, but rather than doing it at gunpoint and through fear and intimidation. I mean, like do back it. when this book was written, then medications would have also included things like cocaine and meth. Right. <laughs> he was probably I mean, thinking about that at the time. <laughs> well, this drug is presented as more of like almost like a perfect drug that has no downsides. I mean, it is possible to to overdose on it, as you'll see later in the book. But it's like, if you're just taking it recreationally, you'll just be happy. And they say like people will go on what they call holidays where they'll take like uh, a, a quadruple dose or something like that. And then they'll just be like stoned out of their mind for a weekend. And it's like, it's like they went on vacation, like the way they'll hallucinate and have these great right. experiences in their head. If only drugs work that way. <laughs> anyway, let's suspend our disbelief. Well, so the main character, at least at the start of the book, is this, um, he's an alpha, um, and his name is uh, Bernard, who I think, I think that's an English pronunciation. I think we would say Bernard, but in the book, it's always pronounced Bernard. His name is Bernard Marx. Um, I don't know if they chose the last name Marx for any specific reason, but, um, and he's sort of a pariah, not really a pariah, but he's, he's kind of a weirdo within alpha because he's not as tall as he should be, and he's a little socially awkward. So this rumor um, goes around that they put alcohol in his decanter when he was being developed by mistake. And so he's not quite right for an alpha. So it's like, it's like everybody who's an alpha, you're like six foot two. Every so, one he, of them. so he's like an outlier in some ways. Yeah. And he's like 5'10 or something like that. He's like, he's too short to be, but he's still, he's in that, that cast. So he has all the authority, but he constantly feels like he needs to overcompensate because it's like people won't recognize his authority immediately because he doesn't necessarily look like an alpha. Um, and then he's dating this girl. Um, she's a beta and her name's Lenina. And uh, her weird thing is that so in oh, this that's society, allowed? yes and no, you're discouraged from seeing anyone too much. Hmm. The, the one of the mottos of the society is everyone belongs to everyone. Else. Um, so like things like monogamy are 
are complete like that's not allowed you're not allowed to be monogamous uh, i think uh, he because... was referring more to dating outside your cast or whatever i oh, was yeah. but that's even interesting then because then you can't build any loyalties to anybody right um you, it, so everything awful. is set up literally to make sure that no one could actually overthrow the system <laughs> yeah well so in in my uh as uh, my assessment the whole society is to set up to keep everyone constantly suspended in a state of vapid shallowness nobody's having deep thoughts no one's concerning themselves with any real problems and the moment you feel bad about anything drug yourself and it's not until so later in the story uh bernard and lenina they go on a, a special vacation because he's a he's an alpha he has special uh privileges to go to what do they call the reservations um, and these are where, these are the parts of the world where the one world government has no jurisdiction and life proceeds as it did hundreds of years ago. And this particular reservation happens to also be like a, what you what we'd recognize today as an Indian reservation, like it's it's a native population in New Mexico. And here it gets a little uncomfortable with like, you know, 1930s thinking about race and stuff like that. But if we could sidestep that, we meet a character whose uh, mother. Uh, went to the reservation and got lost and got stranded there. And so she's a, a woman from the civil, they call the civilized world, but she ended up having to live uh, on the reservation. And so you might ask, well, why didn't she leave? Well, because she was pregnant. That's like a huge taboo. Right. Uh, and she gives birth to this child on the reservation and they call his name's John. Uh, later in the book, they'll call him John Savage because he's a savage. And, uh, you know, it, it's kind of weird because she grew up in the society where it was it was considered like vulgar and filthy to be a parent. Like, that's disgusting. The idea of pushing a human being out of your body, that's disgusting. That's what animals do. Real civilized human beings would never do that. So it, it's like she would have died of shame to go back to the right. civilization having given birth. So her kids raised in like boarding schools and stuff then? Or? Well, her, kid, her and her kid are stranded in the reservation. I mean, like so everyone they, else. Because he said it's unusual oh, yeah. to be someone's parent. Something. No, but yeah, nobody, nobody's anybody's parent. Um, so in, in civilized society, you're you're raised by the state in like a state boarding school, yeah. Um, and they even do this weird stuff. This is just a sidebar, but like just to show you how disturbing the society can be, because they want to desensitize you to the idea of intimacy with everyone. One of the exercises, like when you're a young kid, is what they just refer to as erotic play. Like basically they intermingle the boys and girls, have them take their claws off and just, you know, do I've go wherever it. curiosity takes them. So that's weird. Luckily that doesn't, it doesn't get into graphic description of that or I'd start questioning the author's motives, but that's just a, I guess that's sort of to highlight the, what the society is trying to do about. You didn't want like, a, like an Ayn Rand level, like tangent, like a hundred pages long, just like a child orgy <laughs> basically is what you're saying. <laughs> no, thank God there wasn't that. I think Stephen King does that in it, doesn't he? They they do. Uh, I mean, it's not like a hundred page thing, it's like, <laughs> but yeah, between part A and part B. Anyway, um, so John grows up on the reservation, and he has this weird relationship with his mother. Because on the one hand, the mother can't help but like care about him, because you know, biology and all that, and and you know, she was the, he was the only other person on the reservation, kind of like her and but she didn't let him call him mom she made him call him by her first name which i think was linda and uh you know and he because she had these weird very what we 
considered very liberal promiscuous views on sex she kind of makes her living being the the reservations whore like just the men come and go and she has no qualms about sleeping with any and all of them and that's kind of how they made their ends meet but that made john an outcast on the reservation because you know your mom's a slut (laughs) right um so but he grew up hearing these stories about the the civilized world and how great it was from his mother um and he learned he was one of the few people on the reservation that learned to read and he learned to read from a book that his mother had that was basically an instruction manual on how to do her job so just a very clinical textbook sort of thing but then also he found a copy of uh, the complete works of william shakespeare so he grew up he's like all of shakespeare memorized and throughout the book he'll quote shakespeare which as you can might imagine shakespeare all the stuff that Shakespeare talks about just sounds ridiculous within the context of the society. Right. So like later in the book, when he quotes Shakespeare and he's trying to make like a poignant, like so point, people it, start laughing at him. Yeah. So his mom was an alpha then. Or they like, boy, you got real fancy words. We don't, we don't take <laughs> count of that. It's kind of like that, except they're in England. So it sounds much more sophisticated. Um, his mom, uh, I thought I'm to say she was a beta. Or maybe, maybe what comes after beta gamma? Maybe a gamma. So somehow she, she got brought here by an alpha. Yeah, she was brought there by an alpha and she got lost. And that alpha actually impregnated. But that guy is so unimportant that I don't think he's even given a name in the character list. So it doesn't right. matter. He's just referred to as the director. So you have this child that is kind of of two worlds in a way. Mm-hmm. So uh, Bernard and Lenina go to the reservation and they're kind of touring around like a throne safari taking pictures of the savages. And then out of nowhere, like, here's a white guy, but he's dressed up like one of the savages. It's like, who the hell are you? And he's like, oh, my name's John. He's like, oh, are you guys from the civilized world? I've always wanted to go there, yada, yada, yada. And Bernard's like, well, we should totally take you because you will be like the most famous man in all of, you know, London because everyone's going to want to talk to you because you're you're one of us but you grew up as a savage and oh my god what kind of thing you were born yeah you Um, were born (laughs) yeah you 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 weren't hatched in the tomb yeah well i mean it it sounds funny to us but literally you didn't have to eat your way out of the plastic tube yeah it's it's everything's topsy-turvy and so now the focus kind of switches from bernard to john john's now sort of our protagonist and we identify with him because he has more traditional notions about um just everything about the nature of sex and how it should be monogamous and relationships should be one-on-one you know he believes in god and or gods because it's sort of a weird polytheistic thing practiced on the reservation whereas the civilized society is entirely atheistic um although one of the funny things about the society is that even though they don't believe in god um, they sort of just substituted God for Henry Ford um, because Henry Ford symbolizes like the, 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 the breaking through into the modern era to them. So they'll literally say things like Ford forbid or, you know, good Ford. I can't believe you said that. They'll just literally just throw Ford in there instead of uh, Lord. <laughs> and well, they talked about that was one of the ways that they eradicated the Christian religion was they took all the crosses and they chopped off the top so they became T's. And like, oh yeah, that's because of the model T. Model T, yeah. Yeah. And they kind of they kind of replaced God with Ford. Um so anyway, uh John and his mother are allowed to return to civilized society. Um his mother is like 
considered to be like this disgusting circus freak because she's actually aged whereas in the civilized society nobody ages like everyone's kept young with hormones and stuff like that until they're like 65 and then you just piss off and die somewhere i guess um but so everyone's like oh my god why is she so fat why is she so ugly why does her skin look like that why is she missing teeth no one can understand they've never seen an old person before so she just like immediately starts somaing herself to death like she just goes into a soma coma she has a really tough life she does if you feel bad for her but also she's stupid and ignorant like she she doesn't learn anything from spending years on the reservation she never questions in her mind the society one world government is still heaven and all she wants to do is get back to it well yeah she's been indoctrinated since she was a child so yeah um so they get they get back i don't want to give too much of the book away um but basically the idea is in this society everyone's happy but nobody really has any agency um you're not free to pursue your own goals in life you can't decide you want to be a painter or an architect or who who decides all this so that they're all these they're, they're called alpha pluses um and they're like the regional governors um and the one the authority figure that we're introduced is a guy named mustafa mons always these weird names but there's sort of a conversation late in the book between him and john and he sort of explains why they set up the society the way they did and basically it's like well if we let people experience negative emotions if we let people uh create art if we let people innovate and come up with new inventions that would upset the social order and when you upset the social order, bad things happen. People die, wars break out. It basically explains that we've prioritized among all else is to have a society where people are healthy and happy. That's all we care about. And on the surface, right, that's what we all want. Right? You know, We want people in our society to be happy and healthy as, insofar as we can make it possible. And the book just sort of postulates like, uh, but at what cost? And should that be our goal? Yeah, it's like substituting purpose yes. uh, for happiness. I actually think that is a particular ill in our modern society. A lot of people pursue happiness when what they should be pursuing is purpose. Right. Well, I mean, it's not like we're ever taught how to do that um, or anything like that, even though there's tons of people that have training with it. There's tons of people that have seminars over it and different things. But uh, now that is an interesting thing. So uh, getting down to brass, brass tacks here. Uh, who would this? Who, who would enjoy this type of book? You know, what, what type of reader? Uh, certainly, if you've read 1984, you liked that. I think this this offers a really good like photo negative of 1984. Um, and just along the lines of if you like, the thing with dystopian novels is they really they're a great vehicle for exploring like one specific aspect of society and human nature. You know, in 1984, is all about what happens when government has absolute power and can watch you at any moment. And this, it's all about, <clears throat> do you want, I think if there's a show, they, they've turned this into a show, I think on NBC or something like that. And there's a line from the show, which is, I think in the book as well, it's just, do you want to be happy or do you want to be, you know, which is sort of the, what people have traded the freedom for in this, this world is just to be happy. But, right. you know, the happiness is completely meaningless because it has no purpose behind it. So if you're interested in exploring that that question, 
that philosophical question of the sort of the balance you have to strike between being content and being complacent. You know, uh, I think, you know, I wouldn't say this is in it by any means a self-help book or something like that. Um, but it's certainly good for wedding. Yeah. It's good for wedding one's appetite on the subject. Mm. All right. What would you rate it? Mm. Seven, seven out of 10. It's uh, not the best book I've ever read, but uh, you know, I, I, I had no problem returning to it. And, you know, sometimes I didn't always want to listen to it, but it was never a chore. I could easily do it. Perfect. Well, thank you for reviewing that book for us. And thank all of you for listening to this episode of Books and Beer Review. If you enjoyed this review and enjoy our podcast, we'd ask that on whatever podcasting platform that you're on, that you would consider giving us a five-star rating so that other people that are interested in reading books uh, might go ahead and give us a listen. They might be able to find us. And until next time, we wish you guys well and to enjoy the book you are currently reading. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. We hope that you found it enjoyable. If you have any books of your own that you feel like would be great for us to read and to review on the podcast, or if you have any comments about any of the books that we've reviewed, please email us at booksandbeerreview at gmail.com, or you can visit our website to listen to more episodes of different books that we've reviewed at booksandbeerreview.podbean.com. Until next time, happy reading.